Throughout scripture, from Moses to David to Paul to Jesus himself, we are encouraged to grow, to increase in knowledge, in faith, in understanding. And yet once again, our Lord puts a twist on this by holding up children as an example of greatness. May the Holy Spirit increase our understanding through this time together in his word. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on the way through Galilee into Capernaum, Jesus is catechizing or teaching his disciples. And so he's teaching them about the cross. He said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. He's teaching them this, this truth, not because it's part of what the Christian faith and life is all about, or even the most important part, but he's teaching them this truth because it is the Christian faith and life. You see, without the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Christianity is nothing. And so all Christian teaching finds its beginning and its ending in the cross of Christ. And if there's any teaching that doesn't, then it isn't Christian. It's not of God. For it's on the cross where the power of God, where the greatness of God, the glory of God, and the love of God are all perfectly shown for you. For there on the cross is God for you. His power, his greatness, his glory, his love made perfect in weakness. Now that's not how we're used to seeing or thinking about greatness. And so we need to be taught. Even more than that, we need to have this truth implanted in our, into our hearts. Because mere knowledge is not enough. Because faith and life are not just of the mind, but of the heart. And we often know what we should do, but don't do it. We need a change of heart. That, we, that what we know in our minds might also be reflected through our lives. And so Jesus is catechizing, teaching his disciples. And they show us here in the gospel text just how much they need this teaching. Because on the way, even as they're hearing one thing from Jesus, their Lord and Master and Teacher, they're arguing with each other. Arguing about who is the greatest. And can you imagine that? Walking with Jesus, walking with God himself, and arguing about who is the greatest. The measure of greatness that they were using was how the world measures greatness. They didn't truly understand what greatness really is. Now, exactly what they said, we don't know. But I imagine the conversation may have gone something like this. Simon Peter might have began the conversation saying, well, you know, I am Jesus' right-hand man. I'm a part of the inner circle. I'm a spokesman of the group. Therefore, I'm the greatest. Then Andrew might have spoken up and said, well, big brother, let me remind you of something that you may have conveniently forgotten. I was called into discipleship first. I was the one who invited you to come to Jesus. I got you here. Therefore, I'm the greatest. 
And the brothers, James and John, may have spoken up and said, you guys both missed the point. Greatness is measured by the amount you've sacrificed. We stood to inherit our father Zebedee's lucrative fishing business. We gave all that up. At that point, Matthew maybe chimes in and says, well, if we're talking about giving up money, I can play that game too. I was a tax collector. None of you had the amount of money that I did. And so therefore, I'm the greatest. And when the 12 arrive at their destination, Jesus asked them what they've been talking about on the way. This question Jesus asks is for their introspection. Because, of course, Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about. And with that question, the disciples are now strangely quiet. They're embarrassed. It was at this point that Jesus told them and us today what, it, what makes true greatness in the eyes of God. He says, if you would be great, you are to be a servant. That's what Jesus was trying to teach them. And so Jesus then gives them a picture. He brings a child before them. And he says, serving this child, that is greatness. Now, it's certainly not greatness in the way that the world would always think of greatness, right? Where parenting is regarded as secondary to career, and teachers are among the lower paid of professionals. Serving children isn't going to get you much in return. It's a labor of love. And therefore, a picture of what Jesus has come to do for you. You see, Jesus is the answer to the disciples' argument. The greatest one was standing right there in the midst of them, serving them as a labor of love. Jesus is the Son of God who made himself least of all, servant of all. Coming and serving the least, the lowest, the outcast, the sinner, and those 12 who were arguing that day about who was the greatest. Coming in humility and compassion toward us, helpless children, and giving his life that we would have life. And so Jesus teaches them about the cross because that's how he has come to serve you, to serve me, to serve the entire world. The cross is not part of his service. It is his service for us. It is his story. It's all of his life. It's why he was born. It's why he lives. All of his words and his work and his life lead to the cross. That in his death, we would have life. And in his death is our life. For on the cross, Jesus makes atonement for all of our life-stealing sins. On the cross, Jesus dies the death that we deserve because of our sinfulness. On the cross, Jesus reconciles us to God the Father. And how do we know? Because after three days, he rose from the dead. His resurrection is the proof. For where there is no more sin, there is no more death. And where there is no more sin, that which separated us from God is gone. And we are reconciled. And if sin and death and our separation from God are taken care of, then our life has been restored. It's been renewed. 
The disciples didn't fully understand this, and our text says they were afraid to ask. For they had their minds on greatness, not the cross. See, to them, those two were opposites. But to Jesus, those two are one. And so we, too, need to be catechized and taught that we might learn to see this greatness, this oneness. We need to be catechized by the cross. We need the cross implanted in our hearts. We need the cross put to, to put to death our old way of thinking, our old way of living, and our old ways, period. That we might live a new life. A new life as a child again. A child of God. Now, thinking back on, on your childhood, maybe your childhood wasn't totally a happy one. Or maybe your childhood was stolen from you too soon. But your Heavenly Father wants to give this life back to you. To restore what was either taken from you or that you left behind or maybe even never had at all. For to be a child is, is not to be worried about who's the greatest or what's the greatest, but just being a kid. A kid who doesn't worry about bills or budgets or even strange noises at night because we have a father who is greater than all those things, a heavenly father who has promised to provide for us, to provide for our every need of body and soul. A child who enjoys the wonders of creation, not for what we can get out of them, but simply because they're wonders of creation. It'd be great to have such a carefree carefree days, wouldn't it? To be born again. Well, that's the life that our Heavenly Father wants for us. The life the Son of God came to provide for us. And the life that the Holy Spirit is here to give you. Life as a child. Life as a child of God. That through the cross of Christ, the old you would be put to death and the new you be born again. And that's what happens right here, where Jesus and his cross are right in the midst of here for you. That in the waters of holy baptism, the old you would be drowned and die, and the new you be raised and born again. That's what we sang about in our opening hymn, that God's own child, I gladly say it. We are baptized into Christ. And that in holy absolution, all the sins and and the doubts and the fears that haunt us are chased away by God's loving embrace and the tender words of his love, I forgive you all your sins. And then in Holy Communion, we come and eat and drink of the fruits of the cross of Christ, his own body and blood, the food of the new creation, the food of those born again to a new life, the food which nourishes and strengthens us to live as children of God. That's the greatness that has been given to each and every one of you. It's something that cannot be earned in any way, but is given, freely given. And that, now, and that Jesus now invites you to live, to be who you are, to live as his child. Not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about greatness, but just living in his love. Living in his love and giving his love. But really, it's that easy. And it's that hard. 
Yes, hard, because the wisdom and ways of the world have been so ingrained in us. And our sinful nature uh, keeps, keeps us thinking in those ways, too. The striving for greatness, for recognition, for power and glory. The striving of ourselves and others that robs us of joy and life. And that's why we need to be taught again and again all throughout our lives. That's why last week we had our annual celebration of Rally Day, a refocusing on what is truly important all over again. To get back into God's Word, being in God's Word and worship, studying God's Word here at church and at home. Because the Catechism and the Bible, they're not just for children, but they're to make us children. That we learn of the cross and have it implanted into our hearts. That Christ may grow in us and us in Him. That we live always as children of God in the safety of His house, in the security of His forgiveness and His love. And so, be great. Because really, there is nothing greater than to be a child. A child of God.